It's Monday, and you know that means it's time for another episode of the Cheesesteaks and Seven Hundred Level Podcast. Today, we will be recapping the Eagles' thirty-seven uh, seventeen loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night, uh, Sunday evening, or afternoon, however you want to put it. As well as the 76ers' uh, disappointing effort against uh, the Cleveland Cav- Cavaliers on Sunday as well, um, but also much more to talk about besides those two. We'll uh, get into it. But Austin, uh, let's get right into this Eagles uh, Cowboys game. Uh, it was the first game in which Jalen Hurts. I mean, he still put up a very good stat line over 400 total yards once again, uh, but it. It, I think it was a game that kind of brought Eagles fans a little bit back to earth with uh, Hertz. Definitely not his best game. Uh, it wasn't bad by any means. Had three turnovers. The one, that one fumble we all know wasn't actually a fumble. Uh, still got to uh, hold on to the ball. Yeah, still got to hold on to the ball there. Uh, he had two interceptions. One of them, you could definitely say it was him playing hero ball. And uh, I actually forget the other interception. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the one in the end zone. Yeah, that was that was the uh, hero ball one, you could mm-hmm. say. Um, but uh, besides that, uh, plenty to talk about in this game. So Eagles, uh, once again, fell to the Cowboys 37-17, 37-217, officially eliminating them from playoff contention. And uh, I think it means they'll also finish in last place in the division. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, how bad must you feel to be last place in historically the worst division in the NFL? No, yeah, I mean, not just worst division in the NFL. Yeah, in NFL history is what I mean. In NFL history, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it it feels pretty bad, man. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, like, Obviously, the players care, but at the same point, it, it never really seemed like a lot of the players cared. Like we, like I think back to most probably saw by now, but JJ Watt after the Texans game yesterday, yeah, kind of went off about how uh, I, I don't know if you could say teammates not caring or what, but you could certainly say that he was trying to get through to his teammates about like. It's, yeah. It's more than just a day to day job. It, kind yeah, of thing. It's, it's more than just a job. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of people who put their money and time into your team every week for 16 weeks in a season, even more if you're in the playoffs. And when you give the type of effort that the Texans have given, or in this case, the Eagles have given, well, it, it's not. I don't want to say it's not fair to the fans because that just makes us seem like pompous mm-hmm. assholes. But yeah. I mean, it it feels it does feel like to a point that a good amount of this team just hasn't really cared. I mean, there are guys who have certainly made it seem like they do care. Uh, Miles Sanders wanted being one of those. Uh, He's been guys. very vocal about it too. He has, and he said that uh, the sloppiness in yesterday's game came down to guys not being focused or. And it's there. And and it's just a microcosm of the whole year, to be honest. I mean, they had the fool's gold for the two weeks or so that Jalen Hurts was starting. You know, like he finally got this glimmer of hope. But the same things came back and bit them in the butt. You look at 
I believe what Darius Slay had that interception, which thank God he finally had an interception. I, it was a fantastic interception, but um, you know, you're in the red zone, yep. false start. Okay. You back them up. No big deal. Then another false start. Yep. And then another false start. You know, that's an undisciplined team right there. Comes back to coaching. Yeah, it comes back to coaching and a team that isn't prepared. Yep. And that, you know, like you said, Miles Sanders is harping on guys, you know, in, in practice and just, you know, not being prepared. And yeah, it shows because there is no reason you should have three false start penalties in one drive. I 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, and, and that was just one drive. Yeah. And, and, and the, what sucks about this game is when it, it started going downhill right after the Deshaun Jackson uh, touchdown, 81-yard touchdown pass uh, from Jalen Hurts. And it was a beauty of a deep ball. I mean, it, was, it may have been the best deep ball that him or Carson Wentz has thrown. Yeah, all it was a little behind, but it was it – was, what a sixty-yard throw! Like, yeah, I just went and played football today, and I probably made a forty-yard throw, and a kid still had to wait for it. So imagine having being able to throw it twenty more yards. Yeah, and and that was with a guy coming down on him mm-hmm. a couple a couple seconds later. Uh, but the very next drive after that, the Eagles were already up, I think fourteen nothing, fourteen three at the time. Uh, Doug calls three straight runs, which, I mean, is great because we've been harping on not running the ball enough all year, and they did run the ball 29 times, which seems like a lot, but he got he, he got through ran three plays there, all runs in that third drive, I guess it was. And then when it came to the second half when the Eagles needed to establish the run, they— It was nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Miles Sanders finished with 15 carries, uh, which, I mean, is better than what he was getting a couple weeks ago. Uh, But, I mean, 15. But when they come all in the first half, a lot of them. That's, yeah, that's the frustrating part, you know, is that you want to see it like throughout the whole game, not let's shove it to them 10 times. That way I've established. Miles Sanders running game. And the problem with not, and here's the other problem with not establishing the run game, especially in the second half. And you look at the 29 carries, nine of those were from Hertz. So you're really looking maybe at reality 20 to 24 actual carries. Yeah. Because I'm guessing at least five of those carries by Hertz were not designed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with not establishing the run is the Cowboys coming to this game. I think we're statistically the worst run defense in the league, and we talked about that a lot last week in the preview of this game. And to not attack them on the ground as much as you could have uh, is just a failure from a coaching standpoint, and that's on Doug. Uh, his game plans have been horrible this year. I, I, I still think I'm okay with giving him a shot to redeem himself next year. I do think... It has to be one of those situations. There's going to be a long talk. Yeah, Larry has to sit down with them and be like, we want you back, but you need to – I'm not saying he needs to give up play calling completely because he did call a majority of the plays during the Super Bowl yeah. run, but he needs a Frank Reich-like mm-hmm. mind in his ear throughout a game and throughout a week. 
and even and even if it was kind of like how Kansas City was, where you know, like Andy calls plays for a half and then flips it to uh, the enemy because otherwise teams start catching on to what you're calling. And if that's how Doug went about it, sure, yeah, I'd be fine with that. But it's clear that you know he's not the smartest guy in the room, and it's okay. It's okay to be that way. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent is, and I you could definitely say this year and last year, Doug has really had his inner Andy Reid come out of him, and you know, well, that's because you know Doug worked under Andy for so long. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, it, just Doug, real quick, Miles Sanders, since he has taken over as running back one in week 11 last year, he's received 20 carries in two of 19 games. In those two games, he's received 20 carries. Exactly. Miles Sanders is tied for second among running backs in yards per carry and has never carried the ball more than 20 times. Yeah. Thanks uh, to Eagles fan problems on Twitter. (laughs) Pointing that out. Or you may have seen on Reddit, but yeah, I actually just saw that stab myself and, uh, yeah, that that's on Doug. I mean, you have a top ten running back, maybe a guy. I would even put in that six to eight range. Uh, yeah, he could be he could be close to there. I've had that debate quite I often. Mean, you got in the top five. You got Kamara of guys. I would take over Sanders, Kamara, McCaffrey, McCaffrey one healthy, Dalvin uh, Cook, Saquon, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry. What about Not Nick in Chubb? that order. And Nick Chubb is six. Derrick okay. Henry, I think right now, is probably the best back in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Aaron Jones? I was going to say Aaron Jones is right there. So that's <laughs> what I think. Um, yeah, it, it almost pushes had, him to 10. Yeah, I think it, he's in that, yeah, six, eight, seven, eight. And I mean, yeah, and you can say nine or 10. Uh, but he, he, But I think those top 10 backs outside the first three, which. Is probably when healthy Henry, Kamara, Barkley, and you can put McCaffrey there too. Outside of those top four, there's but Dalvin Cook's really good. So you know, <laughs> screw screw this. I don't know where I'm going with it. That means what I'm trying to say is the top ten is really close in terms of pure talent. Yes. So saying that Miles is ten compared to six, it's really yeah. not that big of a difference. No, he's a this this isn't a a guy you can find on the streets or on a practice squad and come in and do what he does. No. He's he's an elite running back. And not getting him the ball more this season has been an absolute failure. Uh and that has to change next season. Sure. Uh, and it's a guy you want to keep around as you rebuild. The problem is is are you gonna be able to rebuild fast enough that he's still in his prime once you get to a place you can this offseason will tell you what their game plan to rebuild is yep because they're the cap situation they're in and just the moves they're gonna have to make i think you and i are in both agreement that this week is probably jay uh zachers's last game as an eagle yeah so he would come off the books I mean, Kelsey 
everyone assumes is retiring. We'll we'll see, but it seems likely. Like there are so many moving parts. I think specifically this off season that you're going into next year after the draft, you're going to see. Okay, are we going to suck for the next three years, or are they going to try to quick build this now that they have? You know, if they think Jalen Hurts is the guy, or they think they can fix Carson, and you know, build around Miles and you know stuff like that. Like I think, yeah, they might try the quick fix. I mean, Daryl, like for example, Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey came in with the Sixers, you know, and he didn't totally retool the team um, in the sense that build them a championship team, but he worked with a couple toys and. And, you know, move things around to try to put himself in a better situation. And I think that's yeah. the route they might go. Yeah. Um, and we can actually talk about that in a little uh, more in depth. Uh, let's get back to the game uh, so we get through this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let, let's kind of go through our thoughts as the game progressed. So that first quarter, I the Eagles come out. And they are playing uh, tremendous football. Did you think they were gonna? Be, it was gonna be a thirty-five to like thirty-eight game at the end of that first quarter. Yeah, because to 30, me, 30. to me, it's it seemed like it was just a flat-out shootout. At the end of the first quarter, no, I thought I'd, I no after I should I should rephrase after the Sean Jackson touchdown one mm-hmm. so. Uh, Eagles first drive, 11 plays, 75 yards. Uh, again, when Doug is – when the Eagles are running their first two series or their scripted plays usually, they're fine. They do, mm-hmm. They've been fine. I think they've yep. been fine most of the year. And then they after that, it's – you're either going to get some good play call or you're going to get absolute crap. Uh, so – after that 14-3 lead, I thought this was going to be uh, – remember that, uh, that like, huge Eagles blood win over Dallas? Yeah, yeah. They make the playoffs? Yep. Uh, what year was that? Uh, it was the 44-6 game. Was that 08? Uh, yeah, 08, the final regular season game. I thought it was going to be, like, a 40 not, – not six because defense. Uh, I know it wasn't that good. But I thought it was going to be, like, a 38-17 Eagles victory. See, I, I would have been right if I was uh, leaning the other way because that was pretty much the Cowboys. The, I how the Cowboys wanted. Kind of thought it would balance out, just because of how bad yeah. our defense is, bad, bad, hurt, whatever you know, adjective you want to use to describe this um, Eagles defense at this point. But I thought, it, like, well, I was like, okay, we we came out, you know, and my dad always feels like when it comes to the Eagles, the team that throws the first punch typically doesn't win the game. And I mean, just look at this game. For example, you know, Eagles went up 14, three, like you said, and then they put up three points for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Dallas put up three points. They got hit, you know, took the body blow and then slowly counterpunch, counterpunch, counterpunched, and then all of a sudden it's a blowout. Um, yep. So I thought once I saw them start connecting with passes and Michael Gallup's first touchdown, I I was kind of sitting there going, okay, this game, I know this game's not over. 
I know this game's not over, but I think Dallas's defense is bad enough to where this game is going to come down to final possession and it's going to be a 35-38 game or something like that because no team can make a stop. Yeah, I, I could definitely see picture that uh, happening. Um, but yeah, so Eagles' first drive was fantastic. They moved the ball well, took nice time off the clock. Cowboys' first drive, I mean, defensively it wasn't bad for the Eagles. It was a bend, don't break. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up in a field goal. And then the Deshaun Jackson 81-yard touchdown. We all knew that Deshaun was either going to do nothing this game or he was going to have a huge play. He had that huge play. It was his only target of the game, which I think is another failure. I don't know if that's I don't even know if it was just or target, but like I didn't see him on the field as a whole after that. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing the snap count for the game. Yeah, and it almost you know what it almost kind of looked to me and and uh, I'm I'm kind of realizing this a little bit now. It it was almost they they threw him out there, they threw him that bomb, right? And then he only had 20 uh snaps. Yeah, and then it was almost like they threw him out there and went, oh, look at what Deshaun can do. You know, same with why they're playing Alshon. Like, oh, look at what Alshon can do. Like, almost to show other teams that these guys can still play. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely say that. uh, But, uh, yeah, Jackson playing one snap, not one snap, but playing a few snaps. Uh, early, making a big touchdown, then <laughs> seemingly exiting the game, um, not to be ever seen again, is uh, very predictable. I would say. Yeah, and it and if he's healthy, oh, only his seventh game in the last two years. Yeah, and if he's healthy, why why can't you throw him out there for more than twenty snaps? No, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm looking at Kempsky, and he was the one who pointed out the. Quick exit after coming back is mm-hmm. predictable. To um, I'm looking at Kempsey's snap count. Uh, Jackson had 20, Fulgham 22, Jeffrey 26, uh, Rager 43, and Greg Ward 60. Like the, these wide receiver numbers just seem all over the place. Like, are, is Greg Ward legitimately the only guy we trust to be out there for? I don't even know how many snaps they had 73 snaps. So I guess the only guys, the only guys with fifty percent or more are Ward and Rigger. He has uh, is he tied for most touchdowns thrown um, to him? Like, like in the Jalen Hurts starts. Uh, I think so. Yeah, so maybe it's a chemistry thing. You know, he was on the uh, second team. I think he was on the second team Ward, a little bit. Ward had just three targets um, uh, in the game. But, Rager, Rager seven, Ertz seven, yeah, uh, Sanders six, and and I believe Goddard left the game early. Yeah, Goddard had three, Watkins had three. So, but I do like you like you touched on very briefly in the beginning. I do think this was a, a coming down to Earth or her uh, coming down to Earth. Earth. Yeah, I almost said Hurts. That Moment. there's Earth. your title right there. Um. Game for him, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. threw for 300 yards, but I mean, he started to look like a rookie quarterback and, and that's okay. You've seen, um, Justin he, Herbert he, do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, he looked mo- very much like a rookie quarterback, but somehow still threw for 342 right. yards 
and uh, ran for 69. Uh, so, I mean, two straight weeks of over 400 total yards. Yeah. Over the course of a a 16-game season, I mean, that would be incredible. Not, you're not going to get that, but, I mean, no. that would that'd be 6,400 total yards over the course of a 16-game season. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I yeah, I think it was a coming back to earth moment for the Eagles uh, and the fans. Like, after that Cardinals game last week, we're all thinking, hey, maybe maybe they could actually get into the playoffs and give a good game to whoever they face in the first round. Uh, and then this, this just showed that, no, they're a lot of pieces away from yeah. being any type of playoff team. Um, after that, so after that 14-3 lead, uh, it was all, all Cowboys. Yeah, um, I mean, when, you know, I, I praised – Michael Jacquet last week, and I and mean, he was, he was decent last week against yeah, the second best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's clear who the Cowboys targeted. It's very clear who they, and to an extent, Jim Schwartz has to realize that sooner yeah. after Michael Gallup burned you twice, and you have to make an adjustment and have somebody else go cover him and. It was almost too little, too late. And then, once they swapped who he covered, they picked on Nikel Ruby Coleman, and C.D. Lamb burnt him. Yeah, this was the, you could almost say the Michael Gallup game. Um, six receptions, 121 yards, two touchdowns. Amari um, Cooper also had a hell of a game, four receptions, 121 yards himself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the I give the Cowboys credit, and this is uh, credit to Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator. They knew what they wanted to do in this game, and they came out and did it. Uh, and they still they, ran for 100 yards. 151 yards, yeah. Zeke ran for 105. Zeke's, looked, uh, I'm, Zeke's only ran for 100 yards, like, what, one at a time this year? Yeah, and he's had, I believe, six touchdowns on the year. Yeah. And he didn't get any this week, but no. uh, but it just shows you the year he's he, had, and they made him look exactly. back. He, they made him look like he was back to where he's been. And uh, I'll say the one thing about Zeke: he always shows up for the Eagles games. He kills the Eagles. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Cowboys' offense knew what they want to do against this Eagles defense. That I, I will say, the one thing I you can't blame Schwartz for is that pretty much they were playing backups at almost every position. I mean... Yeah, but... I don't know. Now, he still has to make... Now, he still has to right. make changes very quickly. But at the same time, I'm not sure at some positions there's much that he could do. Like, leaving... My main issue is, like, leaving Michael Jacquet no, on an no, island Jacquette, with a guy. Jacquette, after that first Gallup touchdown, Jacquet should have been off of Gallup the rest of the game. Well, not even just off of Gallup, but give him help. You know, put a safety over there. Yeah, well, that, that's never been his M.O. I know, but at it doesn't matter what an M.O. is if if there's two receivers who had 142 yards oh, and two uh, touchdowns no, combined, yeah. you know? like uh, yeah. uh, Totally. It's just, yeah. it, it's kind of, it's definition of insanity. We, we 
doing the same thing right. over and over again, expecting a different result. I mean, Schwartz has been here since uh, what? Peterson's first year. Yeah. Yep. So five years now, so, and it's the same uh, over and over again. I mean, like I always hear people say he was great during the Eagles Super Bowl run, but I mean, yeah, he had he was. He was. He called good games, but the Eagles also had a a ton of good players at that time. So he can call good games when he has good players. But also, in the game that mattered the most, his defense was absolute trash. And and that's including the Super Bowl. Yes, yes. 500 yards. The defense was absolute trash in that Super Bowl. Yeah, they performed well against the Vikings, who – who quit once once Nick threw that touchdown to Torrey Smith. Yeah, one I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they I I'd say they probably quit after that. Was that the flea flicker? Yeah, yeah, that was the flea flicker. Yeah, yeah once Nick flea. completes a flea flicker to the front corner of the end zone, you know you're not winning this game because the team's touched. There was also Case Keenum at quarterback. Right. And I'll give the credit for the Falcons and the Falcons game, sure. Oh, yeah, low-scoring, um, great red. And we had a great red zone defense at that point, too. Yeah, I mean, that Which was is the, the complete opposite. Have had this decade. Yes. In terms of talent. Yes. But also, it's not like throughout the entire year, his play call was absolute amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's not – don't get me wrong. He's he's a, to me, a, he's average. Yeah. I'd say he's probably a little above average. The problem is he's inconsistent. When he's on, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. And I think he's only ever had here a good, like, not, okay, besides 2017, he's almost only had a good defensive line. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, the, the, the secondary has been backwards. absolutely atrocious. But absolutely. that, the secondary as a whole, is probably going to be an offseason topic. Um, especially with Rodney tearing his ACL. Yeah. You don't know what you have in Kayvon Wallace because he's played limited snaps and you have no one across from Darius Slay. Yep. And let's finish off this first half quickly. So after the Eagles took that 14-3 lead, uh, it was all Dallas, like I said. Uh, Eagles, uh, after their second touchdown, they had a punt, a punt, a field goal, and then it was halftime. Um, and the Cowboys, after the Eagles' second touchdown, had punt, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And it was 2017 going to half. And I don't know about you, but when they were, when they went down into half, because that uh, last touchdown was right before halftime, I kind of I, I kind of had a feeling they were going to lose this game. Yeah, I mean, it was still... What was it? It was, it was gonna, 2017. You know, it was still like kind of close, was, but it definitely felt like it was going yeah. the complete wrong way. I should say, uh, going into halftime, I, I I had a feeling they were going to lose, but I had some hope. It was all dependent on that first drive for the Cowboys coming out of half. Wasn't there something that happened at the end of the half too? Um, was there something that like in, we? Oh, was it Doug's fourth down decision? Did Doug have a fourth down decision? And he punted it instead of kicked the field goal? Was that the first half? Uh, You know what happened in the first half? Uh, 
uh, near the end of that, not in midway through the second quarter, there was the Cameron Johnston uh, punt that won like seven yards. Yeah. I was going to, yeah, which of and course he Dallas, never does that. Dallas 40. It was fourth and 14 at the mm-hmm. Dallas 40, 17 yards to the Dallas 23. The Cowboys got a field goal on their next in, uh, next drive. I've never seen Cameron Johnson do that ever, by the way. No, that was, I mean, I think maybe he's still concussed and he barely passed the protocol. I don't know about uh, after this week, but I mean, or after during the season, but I know at one point this season or last season, he was the NFL all time leader in average punt yards. Yeah. Like, and he's just been consistent. Like he consistently kicks a 60 yarder, 50 yarder. But when you see him punt that you're going, he did not just do that. And he knew it. The second, like they showed him, his face was like, "I can't believe I just did that." No, yeah, he, he <laughs> I, I, Cameron Johnson's one of the best at his position, so I'll give him a little bit of. I'll yeah. give him a break for that. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it's he's one really, punt out of the how many yeah. he's punted. Exactly. So yeah, Eagles go down twenty seventeen at halftime. I'm thinking, okay, they're pro. I I feel like they're gonna lose because all the momentum was with the Cowboys. They scored seventeen unanswered points uh, in that second. I, I think 20 unanswered points. No, 17 unanswered points in that uh, second quarter. And it well, it was all about that first drive coming out of halftime for the Eagles defense. And then the Cowboys drove down the field easily, 75 yards, touchdown 27-17. And that's when I kind of felt like, all right, this game's over. The mm-hmm. Eagles, I, I, I like Hurts. I think they were going to be able to – maybe do some things offensively, but I didn't see this defense stopping the Cowboys. No, they couldn't as uh The Eagles defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of who that Jets player was who said that, but they, they couldn't. They literally could not. I mean, Andy Dalton got in a rhythm, and he was – he literally – he ended the game 22 of 30. Yeah, 22-30, three touchdowns, one interception. Eagles just got two sacks on him. Now, granted, I know Fletch left the game, yeah, but, and that's, but mean, how much can one guy affect a, a defense like that, you know? Yeah, and it's not like Fletch has been in I, – I, I mean, is, is he a pro baller this year? I forget. Uh, I believe it is Brandon – I don't know. Oh, oh congratulations, to Brandon Graham. By the way, I know he's the one of maybe three Pro Bowlers for the Eagles. Fletcher Cox, Kelsey, yeah. Brandon and Graham. But yeah. Brandon Graham actually like deserved it this year. Like absolutely yeah, I, deserved it. I wouldn't say Fletcher Cox has had a great year no. by any stretch. It's I a mean, name thing. Honestly, at this, point. this Fletcher Cox contract has been kind of a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He's 30. Whatever, I mean, 2018 but. was great. Ten and a half sacks. I mean, apparently Cox has actually gone to six and a half, so it's not bad. But last year, only three and a half sacks. That Didn't he get hurt? Wasn't he hurt last year? No, he played all 16 games last Did year. Did he really? I could have sworn played, he had a foot problem or something. He's played all 15 this okay. I mean, he may have been banged up, but... Mm. Yeah, that first drive, they gave up a touchdown, and then the U.S. offense couldn't get anything going. Now, you were talking about Doug's fourth downs here, and that's that was a big part of the second half. Eagles got decently deep into Cowboys territory, field goal range twice. 
yeah. and they could have cut the lead to six. Uh, That's what it was, yeah. With the two field goals, uh, but they and I mean the even in late into the fourth quarter, uh, it was still thirty to seventeen, I believe. Uh, so I mean, uh, two field goals makes it. 30 23 Eagles were just a touchdown to uh, tie the game. But Doug with two fourth downs decides to go for it on fourth. Both, I, I think, were decently long fourth downs. Mm-hmm. Um, one was, no, one wasn't fourth and like 15. It was fourth and 15. Yep. And then where is that other one? Okay. Maybe. There's only one shown down. So did he? Oh, was it the interception? No, that was turn twelve. I yeah. can't. I can't f- there was two fourth downs that he went for it. Correct. Uh, yeah. No, we're one. We went one for two on fourth down. Okay, but oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um. But either way. What him going for fourth down late in the game when he could have cut it to two score game with the two fourth downs, and I found it, yeah, right here. Uh, fourth and six, uh, they went for it, uh, but that was a who cares? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, either way, he went for it on two fourth downs, and what that tells me is he has no faith anymore in uh, our boy, who Jake, Jake. Oh, I know. I and I couldn't believe it, which at that point, I mean he hit what he hit a forty yarder, didn't he? Thirty eight. Thirty eight, yeah. Let him do it. What's what's the worst that's gonna happen? You went for it on fourth down anyway. Yeah. You know, like your result was the same result as him missing the field goal. Yep. Hundred percent. And and I, I, I think it means you have the question of Jake's going to be on this team next year. They, they're going to eat the money. Uh, I mean, if you're going to eat a money, for a if kicker, if there's going to be a year you're going to eat the money because you know you're going to suck next year at this point. True. Like, uh, if they're going to suck next year. Uh, mm-hmm. I say just screw it and just if you're going to suck, just go all in. Embrace who? Who was it? The the Heat. Or somebody who's oh no 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 it was uh, the Falcons embrace the suck yeah just embrace <laughs> the suck at this point because you're already gonna be in cap hell next year yeah. uh, I I mean I don't think they're gonna outright cut him but I think we may see a kicker competition because if you don't trust your kick, if you can't trust your kicker then why is he on your roster because you gave him too much money flat out you can't I mean. You gave him too I'm much money. At now, if you cut, if you cut Jake, you're pre pre June first. You're only eating two point three million dollars of dead money. That's actually not as bad as I thought. Sorry, that was next year. Sorry, you're eating five million. Yeah, that's year. more like it for a kicker. Pre pre June first, and then let's see if it's different post June first. Doesn't look like it. So yeah, sorry. Next year, five million dollars. In twenty twenty two, it goes down to two million dollars. Um, so they might stick it one more year. The good news with the Eagles cap space is it's only hell next year. They 
as of right now, they have fifty mm-hmm. million dollars in cap space in twenty twenty two. Howie's a genius, but <laughs> he knew I one year was going to be a disaster. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to talk about in the second half. The Eagles' offense got stagnant. They Jalen Hurts like probably tried to. Yeah, they they Jalen Hurts probably tried to do a little bit too much at times. Play here a ball, which we yell at Carson wants to do, and I feel like yeah, there's definitely been people on Eagles Twitter who. Uh, won't throw any blame at Hurts for any mistakes he makes or what like that. And it's, I mean, but th- then there seems to be these Carson stands who also think we've been too hard on Carson. And no, the Eagles season isn't completely Carson's fault. The problem, though, is, yeah, Jalen Hurts yesterday probably did a, just a tad better than what Carson would have done. Yeah. I mean, he, in general, has been more accurate than Carson. He just has. Yeah. My... But... Uh, here, let me just... Buy this yeah. And uh-huh. The, and the game against the Cowboys yesterday was the first time we've seen Jalen Hurts turn the ball a lot. I mean, three turnovers. Sure, the one wasn't a turnover in reality, but at the end of the day, in the box shorts, three turnovers. Right. And those three turnovers really hurt the Eagles. But, I mean, that was he, he. And now he has four in his last four games. He has nine total, nine fumbles at least. Yeah, her her Hertz has has the same fumbling issues as Carson, which is and, to me partially coaching. I mean, it has to be partially coaching at that point. But at the same time, Hertz is a guy. He, the one thing I like about Hertz when he runs the ball is he tucks it. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is because of the one college coach he played for in college, Nick Saban. Because Nick Saban is not going to take your poor-ass ball. I, I absolutely hate when I see Shady running the ball or wide receiver. Oh, I know. Or how Michael Vick ran with it, with the briefcase, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, Vick as well. Like, why are you holding? It is. It is stupid ball handling. So I love how Hurts handles ball. Somehow, though, he still fumbles it on those runs a ton sometimes. And he's gotten hit in the pocket a few times and fumbled yeah. that way as well. Yeah. But And there is a difference between a rookie playing his fourth game, third game, and a five-year veteran doing absolutely. this. Some of the mistakes Hurts made yesterday were the same mistakes Carson was making. However, Hurts is basically four games into his career. And Carson was five years into his career. Carson was an MVP caliber player just three years ago and has somehow lost everything he's had. Uh, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I I think Hertz is mentally stronger than Carson at this point. You, I mean, he has uh, to be. The dude was yeah. at the top of college football at Alabama, got benched in a title game, saw Tua take over, win a national championship for his team, sat behind Tua the entire next season, did not complain once, came in during the SEC championship when Tua got hurt, led his team to a, a victory, got into the playoffs, and then goes to Oklahoma and lights it up. And, I mean, do you know? 
especially I know you're not a huge college football fan, but in today's college football climate for a quarterback, especially a quarterback, to do what he did and sit behind a guy who stole your job. Oh, yeah. Is I mean, um, unfathomable. It's a really Oh, and and he's always, you know, like he's said the right things since he's been here. I mean, He's taken it as a challenge and he's like, it's, you know, nothing, it's nothing I haven't dealt with before. Or, you know, even last game, he said, I didn't play well enough, you know, or, um, when they got the win against the saints or something, he's like, yeah, there's stuff I need to fix. You know, yeah, he is never fine with how he played. And I, th- I think he he's honest about it. I know Carson. He, like the difference is like you watch Carson. And he says I have to be better, but then he's it, you, like you just said. You know, it's doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result is insanity, and that's what was happening with Carson. Absolutely, and and I'm not taking anything away from Carson. I, I love right. Carson. Yeah, he's been a total pro during all yeah. Of this. You are allowed to be a fan of both of them, and that's what people yeah. need to get through your, their head. And, the, and and just because I love the success that Jalen has had, and that means possibly means Carson's gone. You hate Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah, it means I hate Carson Wentz. No, like I'm gonna be really sad if Carson Wentz is not an Eagle after next preseason yeah. or whatever, or wherever he gets traded. I mean, Carson Wentz is no matter what we got out of him, one of my favorite. Eagles of all time. It was an because that 2017 season was the most fun season I've ever remembered. Yeah, it was magical. And I actually just thought about this yesterday. In the end, Carson Wentz may just be. And when you look at their stats, well, one of their stats when they're not with Eagles, Carson just may be Nick Foles. His 2017 season. May just be Nick's 2013 season. Yeah, and more mobile Nick Foles. Yeah, a more mobile Nick Foles. But outside that, they just may be above average, average to sometimes above average quarterbacks, which is fine. But here's the thing it doesn't mean Carson was a bust because the reason the Eagles won a Super Bowl was because they had Carson, a very good quarterback at the time, MVP caliber. MVP caliber, too, on a rookie contract. And if you like. If you look at the last 20 years or so of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, they've either been all-time greats or they've been quarterbacks on rookie deals. Mm-hmm. The, you, the, one, the first one you have to go back to to not be one of those was Brad Johnson with the Buccaneers in 03. <laughs> Everybody since then has either been a future Hall of Fame quarterback or an all-time great. Uh, sorry, future Hall of Fame quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal, which includes, I think... Uh, Ben Roethlisberger in yep. 05. Yep. Uh, Joe Flacco won his in 09. Oh, whenever Joe Flacco won Eli his. Manning. Eli won his on his rookie deal, but Eli's also going to be a Hall of Famer. So he fits both molds. Asterisk right there by me. He's going to go. You know he's going in. Uh, I no, know. I'm not saying he's nervous. <laughs> he is. Uh, Joe Flacco was on his rookie deal. He got his massive contract right afterwards. Russell Wilson. Got his Super Bowl mm-hmm. on his rookie deal, and then everybody else has been Mahomes. Think, Mahomes also rookie deal, I believe, and then he signs the massive contract. <laughs> um, 
but also a guy who's going to go down t- down as yeah. an all-time great. Yeah. Really, the only guy in the last 20 years to win a Super Bowl – sorry, not 20, but 17 years not, to not win a Super Bowl and probably not go to the Hall of Fame is maybe probably Joe Flacco. Yeah. But Joe Flacco, during his prime, was still a very good quarterback. Yeah, he was an above-average quarterback. So the point is here, it Carson, even if he's gone after the Eagles, is was not a bust of a draft pick because drafting him and getting that a very good to elite quarterback on a rookie contract allowed the Eagles to put money elsewhere and win that Super Bowl. You, yeah, you don't get to where you got to without – Carson starting. That's just a fact. There were plays that he made. I mean, look at even game one where he ducked under the guy and threw it to Nelson. You know, Nick is not doing that. And you just have to, at this point, appreciate 2017 for what it was. Absolutely. And the other thing to build off that is the point is, yeah, if Carson's not here after next sometime next season and Jalen Hurts is the way they're going to go, which I, is, is definitely not a certainty. I think we're looking at a quarterback competition this upcoming summer and next fall. Uh, but if Jalen Hurts is the way we go, yeah, it sucks that Carson didn't work out. But, I mean, I'm not going to – uh, I if Jalen Hurts is what's best for his football team, which right now I think you can make an argument that he is. I mean, to an extent, I, it's it's still a little early for me. Like is, like like I agree. Like if you're watching these offenses, his play is more inspiring than yes. Carson's because you're not seeing the mistakes Carson's making or the inaccuracies Carson is making. Um, it's oh, the hey, problem hey, is, this, is this we hate Carson once. Yeah, right. Yeah, I. Oh, yeah, me, especially me. Um, yeah, it's just like because of how many games Jalen has played. You know, like if if it was almost like a half and half season, like they benched Carson halfway through the season, you at least got eight games from Jalen. Yep. You know, but you didn't. You got what four? How crazy would it be if they started Carson this week? Honestly, if they're going to start anybody this week, just start Nate Sudfeld. Um, no, no, no. They have their emergency backup, uh, Greg Ward. He's already on the active roster. I mean, yeah. Start. I, honestly, I don't think it's worth starting Hurts or Carson this week. I say screw it. it whoever whoever starts starts. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't really care who starts this week, but like, if I don't even know why I'm going to watch it. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into the the Redskins. Sorry, Washington. Oh no, full not season. again! Full season, We're back. Still, We're back. Yeah, full season and taking this. Uh, full season. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, buddy. even. Uh, even uh, after this week, I Hurts play, yeah, it's a bit more inspiring and it's a bit more fun to watch. That doesn't mean I hate Carson Wentz. If Carson is here, I'm going to root for him to have all the success in the world. And I honestly hope he comes back next year and is 
much more improved because I, at the end of the day, you need that contract to work out. Yeah. Um, that being said, if Jalen is the way to go, then it, it, whatever is best, whatever is best for the future of this franchise at that position, I think is, I, I don't think ju- if you're, you just because you're happy with Jalen Hurts doesn't mean you hate Carson. Just because you criticize Carson doesn't mean you think Jalen Hurts is the end all be all. Um, but yeah, let, let's, I guess, start wrapping up this Eagles game. Uh, but yeah, that second half was uh, horrendous. Um, the defense sucked. They couldn't tackle, they couldn't do anything. Um, at the end of the day, this Eagles team, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, whoever's that quarterback, they're more than just a quarterback away from competing. This team has holes on the offensive line. They have holes at wide receiver. They have holes on the defensive line. They have holes at linebacker. Every possession. Yeah, every position except punter. Yeah. I would say. Somehow. I mean. Like even kick returner, you need a new one because Boston Scott takes it to the 20-yard line every Boston time. Scott, yeah, Boston Scott's been horrible. On, and I mean – I, I, I think you're, we're going to see some people get replaced. Cause somebody's going to have to take the fall for this season. Yep, and and honest to God, if anyone is to take the blame like and just it be shoved on them, whether it is fair or not, it's Doug. Like, and that's not me saying, oh, well, I want him fired. It's just they're going to point the finger. They're going to point the finger and the entire coaching staff, I think, if anything is going to go or the, or like you said, Doug stays, but the entire like offensive coaching staff besides deuce and Doug gets fired because four, yeah. 10, four, four, 11 and one, or even five, 10 and one. If Jeffrey Lurie allows the entire coaching staff to come back, what it tells the fan base is, you're accepting mediocrity. Exactly, you're accepting mediocrity, and he has—he has, I think, almost never done that. I think he's only done that once. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I overall, we could summarize the Cowboys game as probably the most disappointing game of the season. Probably the most uh, frustrating game of the season. I mean, disappointing. At the end of, I mean, after that Saints win, you, I, I won't lie. I thought, hey, maybe this team actually made the playoffs. Maybe they actually can win a, a game in the first round. The only two games I'm looking at that could go against this game as most disappointing is week one where we were up 17 nothing, or yeah. the Bengals tie. Yeah, the Bengals tie too. That's, that, that was- Those are the only two that, you know, you clenched defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Um, and while, yes, Doug's play con against the Cowboys was uh, crap and the offense sucked for the most part, the reason the Eagles lost that game is it not good enough. Offense. That and the defense was trash. The, and the one thing I was saying. No, I meant the team is, as a whole is not good enough. Oh, yeah. The team as a whole is not good <laughs> not, not just the offense. The, the team as a and, whole. I will say this. The one thing we have seen the last few years is the Eagles have always had the depth to get past the injuries. And this year, 
that depth was just not good enough. Um, and you know what's crazy too? They weren't hit with COVID. No, like really they had like that one. COVID. Yeah, they had that like yeah. one like little scare. Yeah, but that they was have, it. They had like what one guy go out during the yeah. Of COVID? That's what I'm saying is every other team, especially like the Steelers, got annihilated by COVID, and somehow you're giving our guys like the worst food or something to eat because we can't stay healthy. Yeah. And we didn't have COVID yeah. as a, as a team. But um, yeah, so uh, it, it was a horrible, frustrating game. I mean, my girlfriend's dad turned the game off before it was over in the fourth quarter late. Uh, Probably smart move. And flipped to the Sixers. Which at, at the time they were winning. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. Um, but in case you just wanted this Eagle season to last a little bit longer, we got to watch them one more weekend this year. Oh, sorry, next year, technically. Um, good one. As good play, one. As they play the Washington football team next Sunday on Sunday Night Football. That's right. You get to wait now an entire Sunday to go and watch this Eagles season conclude on Sunday night football against the Washington football team. In a game where Washington could clinch the division. That being said, we'll see. We'll talk. I guess we'll talk about that game later this week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it. I, I understand why the game's at that Sunday night slot the integrity of the game with every other thing and the red and the Washington game doesn't matter in terms of that integrity because if Washington wins that's they, they're in but God, God I do not want to sit up all day and wait for this game and just to be tired the next day when I go to work why didn't they flex the Colts game to Sunday night instead? Because all because the Colts and there's like four teams competing for that last uh, spot in the AFC, so they want all those games to happen at the same time. Oh, okay, yeah, at the same time. So if one team gets eliminated, they just don't tank the last game. Yeah, I was because I was going to say hypothetically, you'd want to have the Washington Philly game and the. Giants Cowboys game on at the same time as well. I hypothetically you would think so, uh, but I think the the their thought process with this is Cowboys Giants winner of that game will uh, for at least a little bit uh, be the NFC East leader, and then but sorry, but the game really doesn't determine anything because if Washington wins on Sunday night, then they win the division. So Washington has nothing. They can't, they can't be out of the playoffs going into that game. Yeah. They can only get a win. Um, I was just thinking about like prime time. Like there, there can't be like, in terms of the best game, this is absolutely horrible. Uh, this is the worst game. But, yeah, so we got to stay up till Sunday night 
to watch this game. Um, and yeah, we'll see how that goes. We'll we'll preview it later this week, I'm assuming. But um, yeah, so we took an hour to recap the Eagles. Um, let's, I guess, briefly talk about the Sixers. Uh, we said we would, they would go two of three. Yeah, we said they were going to go two of three. Uh, and this is probably the way it was going to work We just out. got the wrong game. Yeah. Uh, but Sixers, with their most disappointing effort of the year, lose 118-94. to 94, And, I mean, I can't imagine any fool who took uh, the Sixers minus seven before this game. Couldn't be me. Uh, but, yeah, so just – Dylan, was it you? Maybe. Uh, but uh, about 15, 20 minutes before the game, uh, we learn Joel Embiid is out with back tightness for the Sixers' first back-to-back of the year. And I, I don't know if it was actually back tightness, if it was load management or what. But, I mean, if the if the Sixers don't have Joel Embiid uh, for majority of the back-to-backs this year, this season can get really ugly for the Sixers and real fast because there's a ton of back-to-backs on the schedule. Yeah, and I think I was I was texting you during the game, and we were just kind of talking um, about it and Joel not playing. And, like, it's, to me, it's concerning that you're limiting him or if his back is tight, regardless that he's not playing, it's game three of the season. It's not. Yeah, we're three games. It's not like the third back to back that we've played, or the you know fourth back to back that we've played. It is the third game of the season. There is no reason you should be having issues like that. Like it's for example, not like they had like, yeah, like, it's not like they had a long training camp or preseason no. either. John Morant broke his ankle. That is a reason to not be playing. Well, they think he broke his ankle tonight. But that is a reason not to be playing. But when you're three games in and your back is tight, that it, it's the same revolving door with Joel at this yeah. point. And, and this may be not, I don't I wouldn't say I'm popular opinion, but this may be the thing. Like if, if, the Eagles, if the Eagles, if the Sixers had to trade one of Ben or Joel at this point, I'm trading Joel because... Ben's going to be able to play for another 15 years. Yeah. Like his, like, beyond 30. Yeah. Like Ben's injury last year, that's not a normal injury. That's not a Ben, oh, Ben's injury pro. You know, that's not what it was. It was, he just got hurt. With Joel, it's a little nagging crap that if I were to say, Dad, my back hurts a little, he would be saying, go out there and play. Stop. But yeah, I mean, it's it's to me it's a little pathetic. Is it is like is this come down to conditioning? Like is he like you look at him and he looks like a guy who's in pretty good basketball shape. It's not like he's a a fat guy. No, and and I'm gonna be honest. I, I do hate seeing him at the three point arc, and he's already like stood there a decent amount. No, yeah, go down low. You can beat any He is one of the few guys who can play like Shaq in today's game. And he's a better shooter I, than Shaq. Yeah, I mean, get down there and just 
beat the crap yeah, out of it. Like, if you're shooting a mid-range, if he's shooting a mid-range, I'm not mad. It's when Ben is the only one down low, and he kicks it out, and he's just looking for an open guy, and it's Joel at the arc. Yep. And that is not what should be happening. It should be Joel and Ben down low, or Ben like in the middle or wherever, and then he kicks it out to Seth, who... By the way, had a fantastic. I to me, it would be considered a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I from what he's shown you, he had. Uh, what was it? Oh no, no, no! This was two games ago. He had a fantastic game. He did not have a fantastic game on uh, Sunday. Yeah, I'm just looking at the box score, and it yeah, was it was what two games ago, right? He had 17 or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'll pull up his stats. But um, um I mean as a whole yeah, it's seventeen against New York. Yeah, that's what it was. Um the team as a whole, I mean, you just see like it's it's a different team when Joel's not on the court. It's just Yeah, and this is something we've seen in years past as well. Like when first of all, Mike Scott couldn't play any defense. No, I mean the Eagle. Uh, the, I, I, You're good. You're the good. My mind. The Sixers. I mean, in this game, couldn't play any defense at all. I mean, uh, obviously they lost by what is that, twenty four points, and yeah. they allowed uh, Cavs to shoot fifty two percent from the field, thirty nine percent from beyond the arc. And it's not even like they sent the Cavs to the free throw line a ton. Cavs only had 16 free throw shots. Yeah, and and uh, I mean, for the most part, they had them, you know, 39% from three isn't, it's not great. It's not, right. Yeah, it's not great, but it, it's not exactly where you want it either. Um, I mean, they're giving up 104.7 points per game right now. Um. Uh, which, believe it or not, is still sorry, 105.3, which, believe it or not, is actually the third best in the league. But also, that is... I know that's a, it's a product of today's game. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm double-checking here. Because uh, now, can't tell them. Okay, so points allowed... According to ESPN, is 104.7. They're averaging 105.3. The 105.3 is a big problem. The 104.7 is fourth best in the league. But, I mean, for this Sixers team to be successful, that I still think that ne- that number almost needs to be below 100 because they can't score this right now. They When Joel is not on the floor, this offense can't get going. No, and it's weird. Like you would think Ben would step up, and I know Tobias had sixteen, but um, like you mentioned before, we even came on. You know, Tobias had ten in the first quarter, which means yeah, was, it, 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 ten early in the first half. I'm not sure yeah. it was the first quarter entirely, but which, early in the first half, yeah. which means he didn't do anything for the rest of the game. No, he only ended up taking ten shots in the game, like. No sixer in this game took more than ten shots. And and Dwight How like Joel is willing to take more than ten shots. Dwight Howard yeah. is not there to take ten shots. 
you need now, that being said dwight howard when he did shoot was very efficient it was four for four but yeah. but, but that's not what have... you're paying him for no but also to be fair he played about 15 minutes which he would play any other game but at the same time i i mean you just you can't have nobody on your team willing to take not there's nobody on this team that can take over like in years past outside of Embiid and and I, another issue. I do think they were kind of hoping Shake would be that and Shake played poorly. No, yeah, I mean we we love Shake uh, and this is a uh Shake Milton podcast uh for the most part, but sh- we can't rely on Shake to be that 15-point guy game in and game out. And honestly, even if he was in this game, it would have made a difference. Yeah, I mean, let's see. He would have had nine more points. Yeah, well, Mike Scott, your best scorer coming off a bench in a game. There's an issue. Yeah, and, you know, we kind of touched on this. I know Furkan um, did, I believe, he's going to be out a couple weeks with an injury. out two weeks. Which propels, I guess, Matisse. Yeah, who just uh, the Sixers just picked up his. Uh, mm-hmm. But 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 then there there's the issue again. He doesn't shoot. Does not no, shoot. I mean, I I don't see a reason to play Matisse if if he's not going to. Like shoot. your next best bet to replace the Furcon role is arguably Isaiah Joe. Yeah, and I mean, go back to, to beat uh, Matisse quickly. I mean, in today's game where offense is as is where it is and you're scoring 105 to 115 points per game most nights, you can't have a guy coming off your bench who can't who doesn't want to shoot. You just can't afford that. No. You can't afford and because and as much as he helps you defensively, he's hurting you that much offensively. I mean, yeah, and uh, same thing with the offense. I mean, here the Sixers offense. Here, here's how they shot. Harris shot five for ten, including four from six from three point one. If you're shooting that well, why are you only taking ten damn shots the entire game? You should be taking at least ten shots at in a half. Yeah. Dwight Howard four for four in fifteen minutes. Ben Simmons five for eight, and he and Ben Ben looked uh, confident early on too. He did. I mean, but Green two shots, and then Curry took seven. I mean, Curry he only took seven, including two for five from three pointers, three point land. But he still finished with third most points out of sorry, sorry fourth most points basically. Uh, out of the starters and uh, tied for six most points on the team for the night. Um, that I'll be honest, that sentence was going somewhere, and then I know something, so it completely went off the rails. It was a Michael Scott moment, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, you when you're you can't have your starters taking less than across the board taking less than ten shots. I mean, especially three point two- shooters. If one guy took 25 shots, that's a difference. Uh, looking at the Cavs, uh, Drummond took 18. Sexton took 15. Garland took 15. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, it's just, and and it is early on. It is, but we it, do have to give is, it that. But it's something we've seen though in years past, and yeah. the fact that it looks like it's going to be once again a concern this year. Uh, it kind of taps the brakes on this season, even though they started off two and zero with two nice wins over, albeit bad teams, but. If, if this is going to be what they are this year, then it's going to be a problem when Embiid doesn't play. And was Sunday night because of Embiid, or is it because once again they can't play on the road? But um, I don't know. I I feel like gotta, the road thing kind of like it. It's almost to me, especially because there are no fans in the stands. Like road home doesn't really matter at this point. Sure, sure, they're pretty much all neutral sites. Right. The only thing you have to consider is travel. Right, right. And, I mean, Cleveland to Philly isn't that far. No. It's- so it almost is a no factor. But, um, I mean, honestly, I just want, I want to see more. I need to see more from three-point shooters. You know, eight points and four points is unacceptable from guys who – whose main priority in this offense is to hit the threes. You know, we talked about how it's going to open up space and open up the floor for Ben and Joel, but I mean, getting a total of 12 points from your two, three point shooters on the starting five, that, that that's not going to help you. Nope. no. Nope. And the Sixers, uh, it's not a sure thing that they get out of the next four games. Uh, I think above. I think two and two. Maybe what happens? They got Toronto coming in on Tuesday, and beat is. Um, just saw it actually. Let's see. I think he. Where, where? Come on, where did it go? Um, but I think. He's likely to play, I think I saw. Um, but, I mean, if, if Embiid doesn't play against the Raptors, they're going to get destroyed. Keith Pompey says Embiid is uh, listed as probable for tomorrow's game. Oh. Um, but, I mean, the Raptors still a very tough team. They're 0-2 this year. Uh, but they're not just going to lay down against the Sixers. And this is a team that's played the Sixers incredibly tough, as we know, the last two seasons. Yeah, and it's so hard because, I mean, part of it was they had, you know, two two seasons ago they did have Kawhi, but they're still a very good team. Pask, you know, Siakam is a stud. Van Vliet kill, has killed us, especially the last couple games that they played. Um, and without Joel, you, you, it's almost hard to even think that they have a shot at winning this game. And and and, and oh, I was just going to say the other issue too is, I mean, you know, we touched on Dwight Howard. Oh, if he gets in foul trouble, it's no big deal because he's coming off the bench. Well, now that he, you know, if Joel isn't playing, he's not coming off the bench. Now it's an issue. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Also, we kind of mentioned uh, the. Uh, John Morant injury, um, just for uh, being uh, right, I guess you could say, and not spread false information. It just came out. 
He sprained his left ankle. Sprained. He sprained it against. I mean, that's a lot better than. So not a broken one. No, but the the point still stands. Yeah, still, it's hard to play on it. Like a sprained ankle is a reason not to play. Like, how is your back already tight? I mean, I, it, it's always. I love Joel, but it's always something. It is. And you can't build a found. It can't. That can't be a part of your foundation. Like, you know, like it's it's hard to a house. You know, if a house's foundation is is constantly needing, you know, to be fixed, you're gonna move eventually. Yep. Um. But yeah, Sixers got the Raptors tomorrow, and Bead probably back. We'll see how they do. Uh, and then they got Orlando, which is going to be a tough game on the road on uh, New Year's Eve. And then they have back to they have uh, not back to backs, but two games against Charlotte uh, on January second and January fourth, uh, both in Philly. It's hard to beat two. It's hard to beat the same team back to back like that. Charlotte's not a great team this year, but again, not a team that's going to lie down. There's not going to be any team that lies down, but I don't think it's going to be a team that. Uh, I think they're a team that's going to give the Sixers a little bit of fits. I mean, they're. Did you just skip to- over the Sixers' former uh, first round pick? We do not talk about Mark Markel Fultz on this podcast. How dare you? Twenty six points. Respect the man. <laughs> well, I respect the man. Too bad he couldn't do that in Philly. Whoa! whoa but whoa. apparently, he didn't know how to shoot the ball here. Yeah. He does know how to shoot the ball. We just messed him up. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, going back to your your main point, I would, it's you you make it a little easy to mess with you, but I love it. Um, I mean, the Hornets, like you said, the Hornets. You know, Lamelo, he's he's raw at this point, and he's going to yes. be when the Sixers I, I, face him back to back. I think he's going to be a bust. You think he's going to be a bust, huh? Um, but, and then they have, um, why can't I think of his name? I even have him on my fantasy team, Dylan. Gary Rozier? Oh, Scary Terry. No. Uh, let me look. Deontay Graham. That is exactly who, who he's been playing very well. Yeah. So there's, there are guys who can, you know, who are gonna hurt you if you let them. Um, yeah. And I mean. Like Monk's not bad at all. No, either. so none of these games are a game, you know. And then you look, you play the Wizards again, and then the Nets at this point look like on a back to back are going to kill you. Yeah, actually, Malik Monk has not played for the Hornets yet this year. Oof. Uh, on his rotation, obviously last year he was a uh, uh, he was a. A uh, suspension because of drug-related hmm. reasons, and then also dealt with COVID earlier this month. Gotcha, but yeah, you know this okay. this um this schedule is very unforgiving for the Sixers. It really it is. is. It is. I mean, you it look is. and you play the Wizards and the Nets back to back, and then you play the Nuggets, and then you play the Hawks, and then you play the Heat. Yeah, Sixers have to basically figure out really fast or the season's going to get away from them really early and they're going to have to claw their way into a playoff spot. And, and like, for example, you can't sit Joel against 
the Wizards, and you can't sit them against the Nets. No. So you, uh, I mean, we're gonna find out real quick if, if this is a load management thing or if Joel has actual issues. Um, but like, if it's load management, I don't see why you're doing load management three games into a season. So because he's the, not, I'll, he's not in shape, Dylan. Well, that's what a lot of people think. I know. Yeah, obviously. Um, even though, know. even though I love it because he's in way better shape than any of us Sixers fans, probably. Yep. That, it honestly feels weird because uh, two of the current Philadelphia athletes jerseys that I have in my closet are uh, Carson Wentz and Joel Embiid, and we spent this entire podcast talking about the issues with <laughs> Carson Wentz and Joel Embiid. So um, you need to stop getting jerseys. Yes, and bad news. I just got a Bryce Harper jersey. For Christmas? Oh no! Yeah, so sorry, guys. That's not good. At least it wasn't a Romeo jersey, right? No, you should still. You should you should still buy one. Well, if he if he resigns with the Phillies, I'll I'll be the first no, one. Do it anyway. You do it anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So that's the Sixers. I guess we could quickly. Uh, discuss uh, that the Flyers schedule has come out and they will kick off their season or drop the plug on their season January 13th against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, and I mean, they said Oscar Lindblom's in shape. He looks, they said that he looks very good. I know it's just practice, but I mean, it's encouraging that he's, you know, the fact that he's even back on the ice is tremendous. And, um, I mean, Nolan Patrick, they said he looks healthy, ready to go. And so that just adds more depth to this team. And what Flyers fans would love nothing more to start this uh, season off destroying the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. And this, okay, so the season for the Flyers, 56 games, starting January 13th with the Penguins. I believe they are hoping they are beginning to sell potential playoff tickets uh, with the hopes of having fans in the stands, but I'm not a hundred percent sure here. Let's see. Uh, uh, the Flyers anticipate the beginning of the season with no fans inside Wells Fargo center. As the season progresses, the Flyers and Wells Fargo center will continue to work closely with government and health officials to execute a plan that will safely allow patrons to return when it is appropriate to do so. I think at best we're looking at the playoffs for that, mm-hmm. if so, if anything. Yeah. That being said, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just thinking maybe if like the vaccine gets to the public or you know stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think for the public, the vaccine at best isn't getting a year away. Oh yeah, that's like a year. Yeah, to me, that's like a year away. I feel. Yeah, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, but getting back to the schedule. Uh, yeah, 56 games. And the one thing, if you have not seen the schedule this year, the, the first thing you'll know is, is that the Flyers will be playing the same team twice. In Sorry, more than twice. But when they play a team, they play them twice before they go to the next group. So, for example, they start off with the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 13th in Philly. They will once again play at home against the Penguins on the 15th before hosting Buffalo for two games on the 18th and 19th. How do you feel about that? 
it's going to be interesting. It's like a little mini playoff series. Yeah, I I don't mind it. I know, like, to, it, it's clearly like a COVID, you know, like it, it's limiting exposure because you're not going from one team to the next to the next to the next. You're, okay, double that team if you need, to the next. If you need to isolate, uh, if you need to isolate people, it's easy to keep it to two teams. Right. So... I I like the idea. I do think it might turn some fans off to an extent with the yeah. repetitiveness of a ske- of the schedule. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's going to be repetitive and also it's going to make betting interesting this year cuz uh like play, just you're the first game of a, a of the two games. You, you don't have any idea back. what they're yeah what it's going to look like. Yeah, but then after the second game, like, do you you have a better idea? But I feel like we're going to see a lot of times in that second game, teams winning a game, winning the game after maybe getting blown out in the first game. And I know that we see that anyways across hockey. But I think there's going to be some interesting results and. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it's going to, for some teams, be a real advantage. And some teams, uh, it's going to hurt them. And we'll see where the Flyers are on that. But, uh, I mean, the, the other thing I noticed is there's actually not a ton of back-to-backs. Uh, the Flyers have one in January. Uh, sorry, two in January. Uh, Buffalo, 18th and 19th. New York Islanders, 30th and 31st. They have none in uh Love to see it. February. Love to see it. And I think part of it, though, is it, you know, they're trying to do the same. Well, oh, no, this is a 58. That's interesting. Yep. And then uh, they have one, in, they have two March, the 17th, 18th against the Rangers and Anders. A rare back to back with two different teams. And then Buffalo at the end of March, 29th, 30th. So that's what, four total, five. One one in April so far as I'm looking. Two in April, uh, six back to backs, and then they have two back to backs in May. So the back end of the schedule is a little bit more back to back heavy than the front end. Uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how this works out. There is a couple of times where they do have a one off against some teams later in the season. Uh, for example, uh, let me. Double check here. So yeah. So, for example, heading into uh, April, they play the third uh, against the Islanders, and it's just a one game before they played Boston twice, and then they play the Islanders again on the eighth, and then also in that month they have a one-off against uh, the Capitals, and then the Islanders and back-to-backs they have a one-off against the Devils, a one-off against the Rangers, again the Islanders. Capitals, Devils. So there, there are more one-offs towards the end of the season, but the beginning of the season is very much heavy in terms of playing a team twice. Yeah, and I think it's designed that way just to, you know, kind of help them when the playoffs yeah. come because then they're playing less games. That's giving them more rest. You know, you might as well give them the back-to-backs when you know they can handle it. And the other thing we will see, and and that's a good point because it's not a long training camp, and there's no preseason games. 
I think. Um, not sure. Don't hold me to that. But I mean, they would have announced them by now if they were having them. Probably. Like I could see. Yeah, probably. Like if if they're close, if teams are close, I think they could probably do it in like a two days notice because it doesn't have to be televised. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're gonna see how it works out for the Flyers here. I'm excited for the season. Uh, a lot of promise gonna come down. Obviously, to Kata Hot and uh, this offense as well. I think. Um, obviously some questions on defense, but I'm still worried about the offense, how they disappeared in the playoffs. So. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they still are a very young team. I know you and I kind of think uh, it might be a little of the same uh, this year, but I mean, hey, anything can happen. You know, maybe guys take steps forward. You now have more depth. So it, it'll be interesting. This year it'll definitely be interesting for the Flyers. Um, especially just because of how young that core is, and you don't know what Nolan Patrick and uh, Oscar Lindblom are at this point. No, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, we saw a little bit of Oscar in the playoffs, but yeah, I mean, I mean, those were those were generous minutes, yeah, yeah. Back from when he came back, it's going to be uh, it, it may take him some more games than others, and Patrick, I mean, he hasn't played in a game in over. Almost two years of this, a year and a half at this point. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you actually saw a Nolan Patrick playing a game? Um, did he play in the opener or no? Because if not, then it's over a year ago. Well, yeah, it's definitely over a year ago. Uh, his last game, uh, what was that? Twenty nineteen, yeah, twenty nineteen season. His last game came, uh, April second. So, I mean, at the time of puck drop, he would be, uh, what, April's for, he'd be 20 months without a game? Yeah. Uh, a, a NHL game. I know he's been playing, like, Ryan White. What, uh... Yeah, he's been playing pickup scrimmage yeah. games, but a yeah, real NHL game with hard-hitting intensity and all that, it's been, it's going to be about 20 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see they're both far from a given of what you're going to get. And then uh, Drew and Vorchek, I mean, are they going to play well? Uh, are they going to continue to look a little bit older? JVR, you don't know what you're going to have JVR any given night. Nope. Like the only sure thing coming this season, I think is Kevin Hayes. Yeah. On offense. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think of anyone else who. Like TK, we know what he can do, but. Yeah, he. I mean, yeah, and I mean, playoff hockey is different than you know regular season hockey. Just the intensity things are when it comes to um, penalties. You know, they're a little looser. They let you be a little more rough. Um, And think about this. Like I said, this is a young core. When the Islanders came busting in and they were you know doing things they knew they could get away with, the Flyers, I think, young defensive core had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And I think that had a little bit of it. I know Travis hadn't been in the playoffs yet. So, I mean, now that they have their feet a little wet, they know, you know, they're, you know, they know what they're getting themselves into now. So if TK can turn into even a 30 goal scorer, he was close. I think the one year he had 25, 
So it's very well in the realm of cap- you know capability. So yeah, and other than that, uh, the only other fires news is uh, the World Juniors are currently going on, um, and the Flyers uh, do have two uh, guys on the U.S. team in uh, Cam York and Bobby um, Brink. Brink. Uh, and uh, Cam York actually against Team Russia, I think, was Team USA's t- uh, best player. Um, which is uh, is nice to see. Uh, certainly. Oh yeah, everything I've seen and heard is he. Find a he yeah, the Flyers player. found a good one. Yeah, so there's four Flyers playing in the uh, four Flyers prospects playing in the uh, World Juniors. You got defenseman Adam Ginnin, uh, 50th overall pick in 2018. He's the captain of Team Sweden. Um, you have um, Cam York, like we said, and Bobby Brink, both for Team USA, and then Igor Zamula is playing for Team Russia. Um, Zamula, a guy that we may see in the NHL at some point this year. And, and that's the thing about this World Juniors. There's a lot of guys who are playing in it uh, who would actually be playing in the NHL right now if the season was going on. Uh, unfortunately for the Blackhawks, they saw um, – why am I why am I playing it on? I don't know. Uh, just got this. Just give me a second. Uh, <laughs> I I can't believe I'm blanking on it. Disappointed in you. Uh, I I know I'm disappointed in me too. Um, Kirby Doc, try Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc uh, fr- fractured his wrist in the world juniors and is out four to five months. And he was going to be a huge part of uh, the Blackhawks plans this season and going forward. So um, it, that obviously is their potential. Thankfully, I think outside of Zumula, uh, none of them are really going to obviously be impacted this flyers uh, this upcoming season. Real quick. Uh, what, um, and then I guess if you want to, we can wrap up. Didn't they send raffle overseas? Yeah, Raffle is overseas. So, right now. Uh, how does that work? Like, can they recall him back? Yeah, because I think it's ten. What well, it is technically a loan? Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's like very weird because it was the time. Like, now that we have a season, like officially have a season. Like you, yeah. just say, hey, hey, we want Michael back, and then that's that. Yeah, I, I get, I get. We'll have to see because. Uh, as of November 28th, uh, this is from NBC Sports Philly, Brooke Destra. The Flyers at the time had eight p- players overseas. They had uh, Michael Raffle, Creel Ustamenko, uh, one of their goalie prospects, Maxime Shushko. Um, who, was Shushko in the, did Shushko make the uh, NHL last year? I don't think so. A guy that I watched a ton. And, um, with Phantoms. Uh, Rustoff is in the KHL. Uh, Linus Sandin, a guy that we haven't talked about, but in terms of depth, that that's a guy to watch out for this year, possibly. Um, actually, Sandin is a guy I think that they'll probably put on their taxi squad at worst. We didn't talk about that either. Um, do you know about the taxi squad? Yeah, isn't it that you can have like unlimited goalies or something? Yeah, so the NHL this year, you must carry at least three goalies 
So two, you could carry all three on your active roster, or you could carry two on your active roster and then one on your taxi squad. But the taxi squad is really going to be how these guys, how they, the Angels can really play with the salary cap this year and how they do it. Um, but basically, you're going to the Flyers are going to carry three goalies, which you assume the third goalie is going to be Alex Lyon. Um, and that means if the AHL ever gets started this year, uh, it's going to be used to Manko and Felix Sandstrom uh, with the Phantoms. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you thought Sandstrom might take it instead of Lyon. No, uh, Sandstrom, I think, needs at least two or three years. Mm-hmm. Of That's fine. Time play in uh, the uh, AHL. In the North America. Yeah, AHL North America overall. If if he plays anymore in uh, the EHCL, uh, he he apparently uh, from listening to other reporters, he's been having a tough time uh, adapting, adjusting to uh, the Amer the North American style game because obviously in Europe the ice is a lot bigger. Yeah, uh, yeah. America, the shot selection slash shot angles are just a little bit different because you have that smaller ice. So he's going to need time. Um, and then Eustamenko actually has been performed pretty decently last year. So we'll see what he can do. Both are top goalie prospects and I think can be backups in the future. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see what it means for the Flyers in terms of Michael Raffle. I'll do a quick Twitter search, see if we can find anything on him. Uh but it right now it doesn't look like it. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it. It looks like he was still in Aust- Austria as we last last time I saw. But I mean, we'll find out in a f- couple of days when the Flyers report. Yeah, I know. I know. I believe I saw that uh, a bunch of guys have already even just gone yeah. to Philly. So. Actually. I, I just found it. Um, thank you to Alexander Appleyard of the Athletic Philadelphia. Um, he is coming back uh, to uh, North America. His loan ended in Austria uh, just last week. So there we go. We found it. He, he'll be back um, along with um, uh, Lindblom, Haig, and Sandine all coming back to uh North America. Sweet. So, and but the raffle may be uh, another guy on the taxi squad. Uh, I think he's too, too quote valuable for like what Elaine wants to do. I mean, he was easily one of the best players during that playoff series. He is. I, I just feel at some point though, soon we're going to kind of reach kind of the place we were with like uh, Van Develde. Like he is valuable, but and I, there's a huge fan love for Raffle out there, and he's a very good player. But at at some point, I think the young guys are almost going to be too valuable to keep off the ice. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's a guy. And just because he's on tax squad doesn't mean he's not going to play any yeah. games this year. I no, think he's yeah. one of those guys who. He may be one who he plays a couple games, but then he's also a healthy scratch. Yeah, I. I it's going to be interesting what he does with the lineups. 
I mean, if anything, to me, Lawton kind of seems more of a taxi squad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can go over this real fast. I mean, your first line, you're looking at Giroux, Couturier, Konechny? Yes. Should be, at least. Should be. Um, and then your second line. And Hayes. Um, you have... Hayes f- f- Frost? No, no, you're not going to put Frost on the second line already. But no. put f- Yeah, but see, Elaine Vigneault said last year that uh, Frost needs top six minutes. I believe he said that last year. So you almost have to throw him there. Yeah, so maybe, but you also have Voracek. So you do Hayes, Voracek, maybe Lindblom? No, not yeah, Lindblom. But see, to me, Frost sounds like he would fit on that line because he's a shoot first guy. Voracek's a pass first guy. Yeah, he he's also an actual center though. So, do you make him your third line center? You could put him. With, I'm dude. Uh, a I'm, I'm thinking he might. They might force him to go to wing. Yeah, you could. You could because his game is a more wing, more wing style. Yeah, he he is, I think, naturally a playmaker, but he definitely, if you put him on a wing, you kind of force him more to be that shoot-type guy. But, hey, we thought the same thing about Giroud, but Giroud kind of still refuses to shoot. And, yeah, but Morgan Frost doesn't refuse to shoot. Sometimes. With, with the Phantoms, at times, he, he kind of tried to overdo it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll Which we don't have a guy who does but, ever do it, so there he can make up for it. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, so Frost is going to play this year, obviously, and I think he'll be in the lineup more nights than not. But he could be a taxi squad guy, depending on how he plays, because he does have some defensive issues. I mean, that's why Faraby played last year, is that Faraby was a better player defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think Faraby and I think Faraby probably has the higher floor than Frost. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's that's not even a to me that's not even a question. Just because of his two way ability, like Frost. When I look at Frost, I'm yeah. not looking at him as a two way kind of guy. I'm looking at him at that guy who who could be. Not saying he will, but could be like that goal scorer that that Flyers fans like are praying that we eventually get. Yeah, like he's the guy who, if any of these prospects that we currently have is going to do it, it's him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I I, th- I think if I think honestly, Faraby is probably a him or Provorov. I think are your future captains if they're bo- if they mm-hmm. stay around. Provov definitely is going to stay around, yeah. but Faraby, I think, is one of those guys that, depending on what they want to do one of these years when they're trying to make a cup run, like he may be expendable in some like depending on, you you're going to have to get a hell of a player for him. Yeah, but uh, but if he stays around, I think he's a future captain type player, and I think he's going to take a big step forward this year. But uh, Faraby, I think, is going to be in the lineup every night, and then Abe Cabell is a Texas squad guy. Bunneman is a Texas. There, 
really the nice thing about their depth and their bottom six is outside of like two or three guys, I'd say two guys out of their bottom six is they, they kind of be in that taxi squad. If no one's healthy, no one's playing every game. Yep. Fully agree. And I think now that'd be an interesting line. Nolan Frost and Farabee. <laughs> I don't know if you can put Frost and Farabee on the same line. Like, I don't know if it'll, I think more so you have to, yeah, I think like Nolan would fit with them. You know, like you, you almost need to put like, that's why I think the Voracek Hayes Frost line would work so well because Hayes is the two, two way kind of guy Voracek's the facilitator. And then you have Frost who is, should be the, the shooter. Yeah. The only reason I think I would like the Frost, Patrick and Farabee line more is we didn't see it out of Farabee last year, but Farabee, like people think Frost is offensively gifted. Oh, wait till you see what, like, and I know a lot of flyers have watched Farabee in the past and his highlights, but when he, he, when he's going to get it going here in the NHL level, he's going to make some exciting ass plays. I mean, he's going to be like, remember, a lot of Giroux's early goals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm. I think Faraby has Giroux potential. I I could I see it. I just really like when you see like for me what it is for Frost. Like you look at even his first goal. You know he just cut to the net and still went near post on the guy yeah, on the goalie. I, you know, Frost, like the finishing Frost. to me, I think is there. Yeah, Frost is has Danny Breer potential. Yeah. But I the other thing is I'm while the game is about speed and getting a little smaller these days, I'm still worried a little bit about Frost's size. And he might have he might have hit the gym. We don't know. Yeah. But I mean I, I interviewed him once last year, and like the dude's not much bigger than me. <laughs> and that's saying something. Like, he's obviously a little heavier than me, and more muscular. But I mean, he's he's about my height, and he's he's not he's not like he's this huge guy uh, size wise. So uh, I'm worried about his size. Farabee's a little bit more built uh, at this point, but I I I I think the Flyers need at least one line where you have. What crazy speed? Because mm-hmm. you're gonna need a line that can go out against those top defensive lines and beat them with speed. Because while Giroux, Couturier, and Konechny are fine, and Konechny has a lot of speed, obviously, Giroux and Couturier, on the other hand, are more not so fast as they used to be. I mean, Giroux is obviously old, but Couturier is getting pretty old now too i know he's still what only like 28 26 but um kateri is a guy who's been banged up yeah he's not gonna have all the speed at the at the usually the worst time too he gets banged up yep he'll get banged up as we get close to the playoffs this year no doubt in my mind um and that's not his fault it's usually freak accidents um but uh yeah i we can go on and on but we're already at an hour and 43 minutes. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you everybody for listening to cheese sticks and seven level podcast. My name is Duncan Crowley. As you probably know by now, 
He's Austin Mancini. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at in the 700. Uh, be sure to follow us, our respective Twitter accounts. So you can find those on our Twitter page as well. Subscribe to the podcast, like the podcast, leave a comment on the podcast, rate the podcast, help us build our listenership base. Uh, we're really excited about 2021. A lot of big things are coming for us. I think, I think Austin would agree with that. hundred percent agree. hundred percent. Uh, 2021 is going to be a fun year to talk Philadelphia sports here. Uh, yeah, well, and we'll just see how it goes. I think we're going to try to get another podcast in this week. Hundred percent. We got it. It may it it may have to come on Friday. So if we don't talk to you before then, have a happy new year. We're almost through this hell of a hell year of 2020. Thank God. Uh, so, yeah, have a happy new year, and we'll be back and talking Eagles Washington uh, with you uh, later this week, and we'll see how the Sixers do on Tuesday night and what well, they also play, what, Thursday night, Austin? I believe so. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody, and we'll talk to you.